God could have chosen anywhere on earth, but he chose Israel. He could have revealed his redemption anywhere. He chose Jerusalem. The house of the Lord might have been any place on earth. He chose Mount Moriah. Past, present, and future, the mountain of the Lord has been a beacon of hope and remains a strategic site for the next temple of God. Dateline Jerusalem, the coming temple. We're so glad you've joined us today. We have Dr. Seif with us in this series, but also your insight, guys, is just phenomenal. Thank We're you. so glad you're it's, part it's of this It's a series. great combo. Dr. Seif and Israel, you here for this time, yeah. for mm -hmm. this, uh, the whole series, and thankful that you're sitting in these seats. We're very grateful to be here as well. There's nothing more exciting to talk about than the Word of God. God is incredible, as we all know. You know, I'm one of those people that kind of flies by the seat of my pants. Type B isn't enough to describe <laughs> me. Uh, but God isn't like that. He has plans and He has purposes and He has ordained things down to the greatest detail since the beginning of time. That's right. You've heard the saying, I'm Israel High. The people of Israel live. They're alive in the land, but not all of the Israelites worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so all these plans are all to bring the Jewish people back to the worship of the one true God. And it's happening. It's happening. Yes, mm -hmm. so much in this program today, but right now we take you to Israel with Dr. Seif's teaching. For hundreds of years, the idea of another Beit HaMikdash temple in Yerushalayim has been little more than a dream. But it should be recalled that a return of the Jewish people back to their homeland was a dream fulfilled. A once forsaken arid land now blossoms as the rose and stands tall, fulfilling the prophetic words of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Yerushalayim is once again the capital of Israel, the sprawling city of Tel Aviv, a dynamic economic center. And while some prophecy remains to be fulfilled, it's good to recall what's already happened throughout the land so very quickly that stirred an interest in and the possibility for a third temple in Yerushalayim. A little over 100 years before the United States of America declared its independence, Franciscans came here to Jaffa and built an inn. It was a place for Christian pilgrims to come. Now Jaffa at the time was ruins, there was nothing here to speak of, never mind a Jew, <laughs> there was nothing. Um, but uh, this facility and the complex was built to accommodate Christian pilgrims. I'm pleased by that, but this land itself was designed to accommodate Jewish pilgrims, principally, though not exclusively, but as you know, Jews were banished from the land years ago, and goodness, have we had a tough plight in history. Jews started coming back here miraculously. There was a trickle, a little here, a little there, beginning in 1882, various waves of immigration, in large measure precipitated by anti-Semitism in the world. And there's this dawning awareness that we need to get back to our own space because Jews were forever jostled about in, in broader culture. Some are tolerant toward Jews, some not. And the political climate changes and uh, problems associated with that prompted immigration with the net result is that Jews start making their way here, humanly speaking. But I think the arrival of Jewish people in the ancestral homeland should be less attributed to social factors in the broader culture as much as it is the fact that the Bible predicted a return from exile. And I'm looking here in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, 
in uh, verse 23, uh, the Lord says, Vikidashti et Shmi Hagadol. He says, I will make my name great in the world. And how is he going to do that? He goes on to say, and the nations will know that I am the Lord. And how is he going to make his name great? How is the world at large going to know that God is God? What's the proof at the end of the day? The proof is what happens here. I say that because he says in verse 24, he says, He says, I will take you from among the nations. Very, very explicit. And I will gather you from all the countries. Again, the author envisions here. Well, not the author, the prophetic voice here envisions the, uh, uh, the, the reconstituting, the, the regathering when God remembers his people. And by the way, even the word remember is an interesting word. Remember, Jesus with the Lord's Supper says, do this to remember me. The word member comes from remember, that is to gather the member, the constituent parts together, to remember the various members. To dismember means to uh, dissect the corpus, the body. That is to dismember. To remember is to bring it back together. My son's name is Zachariah, one of my sons, from Zachar in Hebrew, which means to remember. The ultimate remembrance is when God shows off in the world and lets the world know that he's the God of Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov through the miracles that he does here. Again, this is old space right here. We're going back many, many years. There was nothing until Franciscans came and built an inn. And you're going to see in the next segment in this program that uh, Tel Aviv, which is adjacent to Jaffa, was absolutely nothing until such time as the miracle unfolded there. But the miracle that unfolded there was predicted here. It's in the book. It's in Ezekiel. He says, I'm going to take you from among the nations. I'm going to gather you. And then he says, um, And I will bring you into your own land. Friends, there's no historical precedent for this sort of thing. Uh, Jews were dispersed centuries ago to think that individuals would make their way back and have a spirited bid here in the ancestral homeland. It's nothing short of miraculous. It's like defying the laws of gravity. It just doesn't happen but for God. God is up to something in the world in order to show off in the world that the world might know. He says it. It's explicit here. I will sanctify my great name, and the nations will know that I am the Lord. And how does that happen? Well, when, uh, when the world sees what God does here in this place, that is a testimony. That's why we're doing this program, Dateline Jerusalem, to see what God is up to in the Word and what God is up to in the world. Indeed, those who fix their eyes on Israel, and more particularly Yerushalayim, understand its importance in the last days. Yitzchak Mamo is associated with an organization called Bonet Israel, Building Israel, the organization that's overseeing the forthcoming ashes of the Red Heifer. We asked him if the Ark of the Covenant needed to be found before the third temple could be built in Yerushalayim. The second temple time, the Ark wasn't exist. Okay, so we don't need the Ark to make the temple. This is one. Number two, maybe it's uh, in, uh, how you call it, uh, Area 51? Indiana Jones put the Ark in the storage. So maybe it's there, I don't know. The Ark of the Covenant, 
It's important. But more important is what we feel in our heart. Because again, the temple, at the end of the day, the temple is just a building, it's just a stone. As news spreads concerning the next temple, believers need to hold fast to the Word of God and understand that the Alpha and Omega has it all under control. Somehow God, by His Holy Spirit, if we'll be patient with Him, He'll get it done. Uh, and He has a special ministry reserved for this. Uh, of course, it enrages the nations and there's much more there in Revelation. We won't go into it, but, but I believe there's a redemptive purpose where God gets alone with his people and they get it right with him. You can find this in, in Joel uh, and, and other places, weep between the porch and the altar, a national repentance where, where Israel gets it right with God and therefore we should let God do it and, and, and in his timing, but be aware that this is the redemptive purpose in, in rebuilding the temple and if they start on it and get frustrated or it stirs controversy and war or whatever, we have to stand with Israel. The idea of a temple is one place that we all serve one God and that's what the Bible tells us. So if we build several different, then, then, then it's another, that's just another church. It's just another church. We have plenty of churches all over the world. You can build them wherever you want. If we're talking about building a sanctuary for God, for one God, it has to be one place which serves as a house of prayer for all nations, the source of the blessing, the source of, of peace, the source of Torah for the world. It can only be one. You can't have a, several of them right next to each other. We can, the Dome of the Rock can be part of the structure of what we're talking about. It, these are things that, but these are already coming to technical questions, how to do it. We're not there yet. Right now, we have to prepare the most important vessel of the temple, the hearts of mankind. We need the souls of humanity. Once they're part of the, the global Zionist movement, then building the temple will be the most simple part of the whole thing. As a Messianic Jewish believer, I love to hear other Jews speak about it being on the heart, that redemption. But the thing to remember is that that redemption has come. His name is Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Everything that's been discussed about the temple and everything that you will learn is for one purpose, for the Lord to draw all mankind unto Him. That's spoken about over and over in the book of Ezekiel. That's right, and most people think it's a given for Jewish people to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Torah, but it's not true. So many Jews from all the nations have gathered and made Aliyah in Israel, and you have Buddhist Jews, you have Hindu Jews, you have atheist Jews, you have agnostic, every Jew under the sun, and even amongst the religious Jews, you have conservative and orthodox and they all don't agree on one another according to theology. And so it's going to take a big cataclysmic event for all Jews to believe the same and to build this third temple. And I believe the catalyst for that is found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. When this spiritual entity, Prince Gog, aligns all these nations in an alliance to wipe out the nation of Israel. But God supernaturally intervenes with hailstones and fire and brimstones and plague and earthquakes. And then all the nations 
And Israel sees that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is real. And we see the nations aligning today with alliances with Russia and Iran, Persia. All of these countries are coming together, and we know that time is short. Don't get caught up in deception. The spirit of the age is the spirit of man. The enemy would have you look to yourself as God as the sole answer of truth, but there is only one truth and that is the Lord. It is time that we stop looking to ourselves to find the answer, stop seeking with what we feel in our emotions to indicate and dictate what we're going to do in our lives. But when we turn our focus onto him, when we seek his face, his truth, which is the only truth that exists and ask him for his plan and desire for our life, when we accept his redemption, that is when we will see the truth for what it is and not be tricked by the deception. That's right, guys. That's what we're waiting for right now. And we're thankful for your insight and the insight of everyone on this program that we're bringing. We could all work together to bring that about, and mm -hmm. he's coming regardless. Amen. That's mm -hmm. so good. Right now, we take you to Tel Aviv for Dr. Seif, where he's on location teaching. Let's go there now. It is a beautiful morning here in Yafo or Joppa, depending how you pronounce it. Now you might think, well, wait a minute, Jeffrey, that sure looks a lot like Tel Aviv behind you in the background. Well, that is Tel Aviv in the background. Uh, once upon a time, that place didn't exist. Jaffa, where I'm coming from right now, that was the place, Jaffa. There was nothing but sand over there. That has been majorly developed since. In 1909, in April, 66 families got together and began a neighborhood over there now over there, we're looking at four and a half plus million people in the greater Tel Aviv area. Now, when you figure Israel itself and the whole has nine million, this place has really turned into something. You know, and people can say, well, why is that? Well, it's the dint of determination of the Jews. Well, you know, uh, that's maybe a little overly simplistic. Well, there was money, America helped with money. Eh, that's probably a little overly simplistic, too. There's, there's more to the story. I think uh, Bible readers, uh, this is particularly true with Ezekiel, whose name, by the way, comes from the word chazak. And Ezekiel himself, uh, his ministry uh, was uh, opened up to him at a place called Tel Aviv, interestingly, not this place. He was far away, but it was named as such. Uh, Tel Aviv here comes from, from the Hill of the Spring and a lot of new life and new water, to be sure, is coming forth from this place. Um, but it's not just dint of determination, it's not just Jewish prowess, it's not that. Though to be sure, you have to be doggedly determined to build something. No, if you look at what's happened in the modern state since 48, against all odds, the land hasn't just, and the people in the land hasn't just, um, they haven't just survived, they thrived, and why is that? Well, let's take a look at the book, and you know, I'm a Bible teacher. I could stand before you as a newspaper reporter and as a journalist and talk about the modern state, and I'm, I'm game to do that to a certain extent, but principally I'm a Bible teacher and you're watching Christian television, you want a biblical message. Well, if you look in Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, uh, this author prophesies, giving voice to the fact that, that Judeans are going to be gathered from lands from which they were scattered. He says, the Amru, uh, the Lord says, and say, Ha'aretz halazuv hanishma, this land that was desolate, Hayata Gan Eden, has become like the Garden of Eden. A once desolate land, it'll be said of that place, 
it has become like the Garden of Eden. It seems to me that that, uh, that prophetic word is fulfilled right now, like never before, like never before. And it's a poetic language, like Gan Eden, like the Garden of Eden. Eden was known for its, its wherewithal, its sustenance. And to be sure, when I think of Tel Aviv, Israel, not just Israel in general, uh, you know, the technological epicenter of the world, there's so much entrepreneurial spirit at play here and innovation and, and high tech. Tel Aviv is known for that in many ways, uh, principally, but uh, Israel not exclusively. Israel produces like the Garden of Eden. In fact, there's more exports of fruits going out of Israel. Israelis are doing more than just feeding their population. And why is that? Well, I was reminded of that. I heard a song the other day when I was by the hotel, the Western Wall. People are always running around singing. There's bar mitzvahs and what have you. And there's a song, Am Yisrael Chai, The People of Israel Lives. And why do the people of Israel live? Because God predicted that they would arise from their graves and come back to life as a testimony of God's saving power in the world. If you're wondering, well, is God real? Can I really believe his promises? Does he really watch over his word to perform it? If you ask yourself that question, let me give you the answer to it. Yes, he does and I'm standing in living proof as I'm telling the story of Dateline, Jerusalem. While Bible prophecy unfolds before our very eyes in Israel, some have lingering questions about a third temple in Jerusalem. We asked Isaac Mamo about the concern that some have voiced regarding animal sacrifice once again upon the Temple Mount. We know that today our prey is because we don't have sacrifice. And part of the, of the galut, part of the, the situation that we, are, we don't have spirituality like the time of the temple is that we are not connected to our soul as it was at the past, at the time of the temple was standing. And therefore, for us to slot a, a cow it's a barbecue. And by the prophets, when you read the prophet and when you read in the Bible, you see that when man arrives to the situation that he has to bring sacrifice, it's hurt himself. It's, it's, he feels like he had to be slaughtered. Actually, when the temple was destroyed, it's not a building that is destroyed. There is a lot of building that destroying the world. When the temple was destroyed, there was, uh, let's say, no more connection, no more profit. After the temple was destroyed, no more, no more profit in the world. And we miss this connection. And because we don't have this connection, we don't understand what is the sacrifice. If I will take a person 100 years ago and I will let him to hold iPhone, he will not understand what is this. The same as, we don't understand what is the sacrifice. So we can again, we can give a lot of exclamation, but as I'm going back, as a believer, I believe that what's written in the Bible, what's written in the Bible, it's real, it exists. 
the situation that we don't have the, 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 the way and the power to understand, it's our problem, not the Bible problem. So yes, at the end of the day, when the temple will be built and we had again sacrifice, it will be hard for people to bring sacrifice. And our mission is to educate and teach and learn about the way to God, the spirituality of God to the people of Israel and the people of the world. And then a question about sacrifice, a question about Red Heifer, a question about Islamic and Jewish uh, relationship will not be on the table. Again, maybe it will take 20 years, maybe it will take one year, and maybe it will happen tomorrow morning. Every day in the prayer we say, Anima Amin, I believe that the Messiah will come tomorrow morning. And even that he didn't came, that he didn't show up, I will wait. This is a part of the believer of every Jewish in the world. He said, Ani ma'amin be'emunah shlema be'viyata Mashiach. Ve'af al-pi she'itma'amea. Even if it will take him a time, I'm still waiting. And I'm still believe that Messiah will come. Well over a year ago, I had the opportunity to interview Rabbi Yitzchak Mamo personally at the height of the whole red heifer exposure. And you can see his passion even in that clip, his desire to see, to meet his Messiah. Now, I'm a Jewish believer in Messiah Yeshua. I believe he's already come. And I hope by seeing that, it spurred you, the believer, the Christian, to action, to tell your friends, to tell other Jewish people that their Messiah has already come and his name is Yeshua. I believe you cannot truly love God without loving his people, the Jewish people, at the same time. Now, I've had the opportunity to interview uh, Mark Hitchcock. He's a Bible prophecy expert. He's an author. He's a pastor throughout this whole series. And he's going to explain to us the great links that the God of Israel goes to reach out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hey, Mark, thanks for being with us. Yes, glad to be here. I know today we're seeing so many Jewish people return to the land of Israel. That's prophetic. They're back in the land. Um, but not all of them have turned their hearts back to the God of Israel. I know there's lots of prophecy in Ezekiel talking about their hearts being turned to God and God uh, taking great lengths to prove that I am the Lord. That's like the theme of Ezekiel. Um, what is it going to take for all the Jews, national Israel, to finally turn their hearts back to the God of Israel? Well, I think it's going to take the tribulation period. Mm. I think that's part of the purpose of this coming time of trouble. It's called in, in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble. Yeah. It's going to be a unique time of, of trouble for, for the Jewish people. You know, the Jewish people are being regathered now to their land physically. But the Bible says someday they're going to be regathered to the Lord spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a physical regathering now, mostly in unbelief. That's right. But there's going to be a regathering in belief at the end of the tribulation period. And I think that the Jews, many Jews will come to Christ during the tribulation period. Yes. There's 144,000 Jewish men who will be saved in, in, in Revelation 7. Uh, there's uh, another, uh, I think, a large saved remnant as well that God protects of Jewish yes. people during that time. But two-thirds will be cut off during this time of tribulation mm. uh, that's coming, uh, the Bible tells us. But um, God ultimately is going to bring the Jewish people to himself, I think, a huge group at the second coming. In, right. uh, in Zechariah 12, verse 10, it says that God's going to pour out on them a spirit of grace and supplication. Yeah. He says, they'll look upon me whom they've pierced. 
They're going to mourn like one mourns for an only son. So I think there's going to be a huge turning of Jewish people to Jesus, their Messiah, when he's actually returning. He's coming that, back to earth. That is true. You know, Romans eleven thirty six mm. says all Israel will be saved. Now that doesn't mean mm. all Jews of all time. Yes, that's right. But, but those who are alive on the earth, there's yeah. going to be a mass conversion of the Jewish people. And so um, you know, it's going to take that time of tribulation to bring that about. But praise God, he's going to be faithful to them and Amen. to his covenants and, and bring them to faith in, in, in Messiah. Thank you for that insight, Mark. Amen. You've heard the Word of God says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. We know the Lord blesses a cheerful giver, but we want to bless you also. We have Mark Hitchcock's book, The End. When you give a donation, we're giving that to you. We also have a bookmark written by Josh and me. It has a lot of scriptures concerning prophetic end times events, and it's an encouragement to you. It's really great. Not only is it an encouragement, but you're never going to lose your place in your book that you're reading. That's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I'm impressed that you guys made a bookmark. Yeah. I think that's great. Not a book, a bookmark. <laughs> just it was hard. Just a lot of beginning. willpower. <laughs> I, I really appreciated uh, Mark Hitchcock today hmm. with his words that he said, that Yeshua himself mm, will right. draw everyone. I, I don't know, we don't talk about that much in the, in the church. It's that true. it's, he's the one going, just watch me, it I'm gonna pull him to myself. And it's very hard for Jews today to understand Yeshua's uh, importance because he is prophetically told in the Old Testament scriptures. Modern Judaism uses the, the Mishnah, the Talmud, and all these different practices that aren't Levitically based. So you can see the necessity of bringing back this temple worship and sacrifices for them to understand who God really is. You look in Hebrews 10, 4, it says, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Why is it important then if these sacrifices can't take away sins? It's because they all prophetically point to Yeshua. And that's what Hebrews 10.10 10 mm. says when it says, And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And guys, this is the only reason that the Lord is allowing these red heifers to come and the rebuilding of the third temple is because there hasn't been a sacrificial system for 2,000 years. And your modern Jews like, why do I need this? This doesn't matter. I've survived over 2,000 years without, you know, sacrificing cows and all this. It's because once they see and taste and experience the God of the Old Testament, then they'll identify Yeshua of the New Testament as the fulfillment of all that was written by the prophets. And I was going to say, there, there is... There is big importance mm -hmm. to this third temple. It's, it's a means of God himself calling his people back to yeah. him. Because I think we always think third temple is just like, <sighs> it's going to be, it's, it's horrific. Yeah. Well, there is that angle also, but there also is the calling of Yeshua. Mm -hmm. calling and we're his living people. in that time and we're watching it come about. Yes. It's pretty amazing. It is amazing. I can't believe we're halfway through our series, mm -hmm. but it's time for us to go now. Until next week, <laughs> as we always say, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Our resource this week, The End, written by Mark Hitchcock. This 500-page hardcover book is made available to you for your generous donation to Zola Levitt Ministries. The accompanying bookmark by Joshua and Caleb provides important scripture from God's Word concerning the end. Please remember, we depend on your generous gifts which allow us to bring timely updates regarding Bible prophecy and the end of days. Thank you so much for your continuous support of this ministry. Visit our website, levitt.com, for tour information, broadcast schedule, free monthly newsletter, 
and online store. Join us right now on our social media sites for exclusive content. Call us anytime at 1-800-WONDERS and ask about this week's resource. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.